And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Lord, we are here this morning. We've come to this time together at your invitation for a divine appointment with you. The deepest longing and need of our heart is to hear from you. To hear your voice. To know your presence. To experience your life. This day as we gather here Bethel Christian Fellowship and Lord as a people together today. We want to be where you are, even as you want to be where we are. We honor and adore and love you today. This morning we are going to be continuing in the series we began here this fall, entitled The Tender Commandments, Expressions of God's Love, Expressions of the Father's Love, His Heart Towards Us. If you're just new with us this morning or have been unable to be with us for some of our Sundays, we've uh, placed CDs in the back on the table with the PowerPoints from the various messages available for you. Also, you can always go to our website, BethelTwinCities.org, and find the sermons there and download them. Listen to them at your convenience. I encourage you to do so. Um, Each of these messages, I believe, um, has uh, significant life and health for us, and um, just want to encourage you to to dig in and dig in deeply to these expressions of his love. The Ten Commandments are located for us in Scripture in Exodus chapter 20. The very first Sunday we opened the series, we began by kind of creating the context for that, which is really Exodus 19, where the Lord speaks to Moses tells them, this is my heart for the people. Would you please remind them of what I've done for them? How like an eagle I have carried them on my pinions, how I have protected and covered them, how I have lifted them up, how I have released them from the bondage to the Egyptians. And it brought them towards the promised land. It's important to have that context because I believe that frequently... In our thinking, the Ten Commandments can feel like um, jail uh, jail cell doors closing or shackles coming on our wrists. Somehow God's intention to uh, hold us back from truly experiencing all that life would have to offer us when, in fact, these commandments that he has given to us are the keys that unlock those shackles and unlock those prison doors and actually lead us into the fullness of the freedom that he intends for us to experience. These are not to lead us into bondage, but into freedom. These are not death-giving commandments. They're life-giving commandments. And they're expressions of his love towards us. The first four of these commandments deal with our vertical relationship with Papa, with the Father, with the Lord. The final six commandments deal 
more directly with our relationship with one another. I would say this fourth commandment that we're going to be looking at this morning about remembering the Sabbath is really a transitional commandment because it impacts both our vertical relationship as well as our horizontal relationships as we will discover this morning as we unpack this. So today we're looking at the fourth of the commandments. We've already looked at no other gods and no idols and not taking the Lord's name in vain. I've entitled the message this morning, Tending the Sabbath. Tender commandment number four, Tending the Sabbath. And Shortly you will understand why I have entitled the message in that way. Let's first of all just take a, a, a moment to read together here the commandment number four, which is found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. So if you can see the, the screen, uh, you can read along with me here. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Remember the Sabbath day. Now why is this commandment so important to God's heart that he would take it to write it with his finger on stone, his love letter to us? Why would he place this particular commandment among those ten commandments that he has given. I want to kind of open up here our hearts because I think that, um, I think it will help for us if we had an image in our mind today to help us capture why I believe that the Sabbath is so significant and important for us as children of God. You'll notice behind the, um, on the background of the PowerPoint slides here is a, is a beautiful tree. And I want to tell you a true story about some trees that I ran across. I ran across portions of an article probably 25 years ago that has always stuck with me. You know when something sticks with you for 25 years, at least I, I tend to pay attention to that. Okay? Because it's something that, that, that really captured something in my spirit. There's an article written by a Frenchman by the name of Jean Gioni, Giono. Um, and his article was Uh, The Man Who Planted Trees and Grew Happiness. And it's the story of a man by the name of Elziard Bouffier, a shepherd in the Alps in an area um, way up high uh, that that thrusts down near Provence. How do you pronounce Provence? Is that right? Provence, Provence. Near Provence, France. And this was a very desolate area. The villages had become uninhabited. Springs were dry. The wind blew ferociously. And all that grew on the land at all, all that was left growing on the land was wild lavender. And this man, Jean, was up climbing up in the Alps 
one day, and while he was climbing up in the Alps, he became very, very thirsty, and he ended up knocking on the door of a simple shepherd's hut. And the shepherd, Elziard Bouffier, invited him in both to have supper, dinner with him, and then to spend the night. After a very simple meal, as Jean and Elziard were just sitting there, and and at at this time, Jean discovered that Elziard was 55 years old, simple shepherd. And after dinner, Elziard began to take, he, he had this bag of acorns. And he took these acorns and he, took them out of his bag, and he began to sort them out. And he sorted out the good acorns and the cracked ones. He sorted into a different pile and ended up throwing those away. And he sorted out these acorns, and he put them in groupings of ten. And when John asked him what he was doing, Elziard said, well... For the last three years, I have begun planting oak trees up here in the hills. And I've been keeping track of how many I have planted, and in the last three years, I've now planted 100,000 acorns. Of those, I estimate that at this point about 20,000 of these acorns have sprouted and begun to grow. And I'm expecting that probably after pests and rodents and disease and other things, I'm expecting that about 10,000 of them will live to maturity. The year and the date that this conversation happened, the, the year that this took place, was in 1913, prior to World War I. Jean didn't get back to that area for many years. World War I had come and gone. Twenty years later, when he came back and met Elziard again, who is now aged 75, in 1933, he immediately was struck by how the entire region had begun to be transformed. In fact, the hills were covered with a veritable forest. For in 20 years... Elziard had continued with his oak planting project, and if he'd done three in the, in the first three years, he'd planted 100,000 trees. You do the math for 20 more years of how many more oak trees had been planted in the intervening time. Elziard had told him back in 1913 that as long as God gave him strength and health, he would continue to plant those trees. Fast forward now another 15 years when Jean came back again. Another That entire time, Elziard had continued with the strength that God had given him into his 80s, continuing to plant faithfully these oak trees. 30 kilometers from the line where World War II was taking place, Elziard was doing his shepherding thing, shepherding his hills, planting trees 
for future generations. When John came back to visit after World War II, he was utterly amazed by the transformation that had taken place. Let me read some of his words. On the site of the ruins I had seen in 1913 now stand neat farms. The old streams fed by the rains and snows that the forest conserves are flowing again. Little by little, the villages have been rebuilt. People from the plains where land is costly have settled here, bringing youth and motion and the spirit of adventure. And along the roads you meet hardy men and women, boys and girls who understand laughter and have rediscovered a taste for picnics. Counting the former population, unrecognizable now that they live in comfort, comfort, more than 10,000 people owe their happiness to Elziard Bouffier. When the folks from the forestry service saw what happened, look at this, look at this completely spontaneous forest that has grown up. (laughs) Not knowing that there was a simple shepherd who had a heart for his inheritance who faithfully planted acorns in the soil to transform a barren, dry land back into a life-giving ecosystem. I believe that we need to have a renewed understanding of spiritual ecology. And we need to begin to recognize the integral connection between Sabbath and wholeness and health and life for ourselves as well as the community which we live. Because culturally, we've become a barren, windy, dry, dying place. And part of the reason that that has taken place is because of the continual violation of the principle of Sabbath. So I would like today to talk with us together about what it means to tend the Sabbath. And I'd like to use this picture of the tree to capture what I believe is God's heart for this crucial spiritual discipline. At the root, the roots of Sabbath go back to relationship. See, here's what I want to begin. I I, want to already cast out of your mind that the root of Sabbath is somehow has to do with rules and regulations. The people of Israel and the leaders of Israel, the spiritual leaders of Israel, were really good at the rule and regulation part of this. They had so many rules and regulations around the Sabbath to protect someone from doing work, that I think about the only way that you could be safe is if, you know, on on the Sabbath day, you, you grabbed your chair 
and sat in it and didn't move. If you were able to do that, it's possible that you would not violate the Sabbath. But in doing that, in in allowing all of these rules and regulations to creep up around Sabbath, they actually choked out the, the true life of what Sabbath is about. They missed the point. So I don't want us to miss the point this morning. The root of Sabbath has to do with relationship. By the seventh day, let's go back to when God established it, or where it's coming out from, Genesis chapter 2, 2 and 3. This is at the very close of the creation story. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now what does that have to do with relationship? Well, first of all, it has to do with this. Who does the Lord reveal himself as? Remember Jehovah, Yahweh, what is the the meaning of that? We've talked about that in the character of God. What does that mean? I am. I am I'm forever present. I, I am the I am. I am that I am. Right before this, in Genesis, at the end of Genesis 1, we are introduced to the creation of man, who is created in God's what? Image. And then right after this, it goes on and gives us yet even more in-depth story of the creation of mankind, male and female. But the the hinge around this is this, the resting. And why, why did God rest from all he had done? He rested not because he was tired. He rested because he wanted to enjoy that which he had created. Because he wanted specifically the purpose behind even creating Adam and Eve and mankind is because God wanted to introduce into his creation his children who would be able to experience And come into the relational life that he already experienced eternally. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he created us, listen carefully, not as human doings, but as human beings. He created us to be human beings, not human doings. Because he created us with this capacity to experience relationship with him. This is why Jesus says, when he gets after the the Pharisees and and those who want to build fortresses of of stone and steel around the Sabbath and bind people in under some kind of of, of rule and regulation that, again, chokes the very life out of you. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is given to us as gift so that we can experience more deeply the fullness of relationship with our Papa who longs to be with us where we are and longs for us to be with him where he is. That's why I read just just moments after the Genesis 2, you know, when when Adam and Eve, after they've fallen and and God's looking for them, and the God, where are you? We've been been walking. You're missing our daily walk in the garden. Where are you? This is one of the most poignant and powerful scriptures that I know of. It, 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 it 
showing us the Father's heart, longing for us. And it's not just about our relationship with the Father, but it's relationship with everything around us. Deuteronomy 5, which re-encapsulates the Ten Commandments, says, observe the Sabbath day, which observe means to attend to, which is again why I'm calling it tending the Sabbath, because we have to attend to it, because if we don't attend to it intentionally, guess what? It'll go away. How many have figured out that your work will never end? I have a little thing on my, on my, in my office that says, God has put me on earth to do so many things. At this point, I'm so far behind that I'll never die. And our world just simply just keeps winding it up faster and harder. So God says, observe the Sabbath. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, for the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Have you ever figured out that it's hard for people around you to rest when you're not resting? But that when you rest, you give permission to those around you to rest? All right? Believe me, I'm not preaching at you this morning. It's true. This is a commandment that, I mean, this is the one commandment in the church. Well, there's, there's maybe others, but this is certainly one commandment in the church that, you know, cheerfully and actually sometimes gets rewarded for having ignored. Been there, done that. I've got a closet full of T-shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies. All around that. But I, I, I want to I have us have Sabbath go down into the, the true roots of it. Because it's, it's not about observing so much the day. And that's where people get then all hooked up about, well, are we talking about Saturday? Are we talking about Sunday? What day are we talking about? And... We can have that conversation another time. The simple answer is, in the New Testament, all we can see is that the, 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 the body of Christ began to observe on Sunday in honor of the resurrection. That's why we worship on Sunday rather than on Saturday. But I don't want to get us lost in that because I think there's deeper things here that God wants to get us into. See, the trunk of this, and, and, and Hannah mentioned this so, so beautifully earlier, and I wish if I could capture the words that you said, when, when he's got it, and I don't have to carry it, then I can rest. I mean, the issue, kind of the core issue that we're talking about here, is, is trusting in the character of God and leaning deeply into the promises of God. Trusting in his character and leaning into his promises. Hebrews, the familiar scripture in Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm not going to read all of it. You can go back and reference it in your notes, and I would encourage you to read the whole piece. I'm just going to read the, the kind of the bookends of the full paragraph here, starting in verse 1. Uh, to 3, and then we'll fast forward to 9 to 11. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands. There's a promise that's out there. This is available to us. Yes, even in 2011, in a world that's gone continually faster and faster and faster, there is 
an opportunity, there is a promise of entering rest. So let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. There remains then of Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. Just as God did from his, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Pastor Sam and I were talking about this this week when we were comparing notes on how, how preparations were going for the message. And we actually have another series that's going to come out sometime maybe in the future. We're going to call it uh, Things to Strive For, something like that. Um, and there's about four things in the scripture that we are to, the only things that we're told to strive about. We're not told to strive for much. But one of the things, counterintuitively, that we are to strive for is we're to strive for rest. That's one of the four that we're to strive for. It's rest. Make every effort to enter rest. Huh? Make every effort to embrace the promise that has been given to us that God has control over the universe and has control over your life and you can surrender yourself completely and fully and abandonedly to Him. Because He's got it. I feel like I'm on a, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm in this perpetual classroom of the Lord right now. In this area, I mean, it, it, it just, it, it, it works out in so many different areas. You know, I don't know about you, but when you're praying for things that are just more than you know what you could possibly do about, and you're, you know, there's, there's this place where you want to contend and you're, you're you know, you're, shouting out, and, and all of those, and there, there's places for that. There's time for that kind of battle warfare. It seems to me, at least in my own spirit, where God keeps bringing me back to is, is even underneath all of that or, or energizing all of that is not my own energy that I'm going to take, you know, we're going to, you know. That, that'll make sense on the tape, I'm sure. Okay. But it's this deeper place of open-handed relinquishment. It's this deeper place of trust and surrender that says, God, you really do have this. I don't have a clue how it's all going to work out. I don't know about the circumstance, but I know about you. And so I, I, I find myself striving to enter this place of rest. And by God's grace, I'm getting glimpses of it. Breathing holes in my spirit where God just sort of brings in some fresh nourishment to my soul. Is this, are you, everybody okay? All right, it's sort of, I'm coming at it from a, a little maybe different, I want to reframe things because I think God's been reframing in my own soul. So the branches, there's some branches that come off of this, these roots of relationship in this trunk of, 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 of rest. And now you're going to be surprised by this, but these branches also begin with the letter R. Okay, so I know it's going to be shocking. All right. If you're taking notes, which I encourage you to do, there's a place on your bulletin. You know, you might want to, I don't know. You all probably got better remembers than me, but it helps sometimes to have it to chew on later. There are three branches that I want to remind us of here that are kind of the, the ways now that this, the, the ways that this begins to be practically worked out in your life. What is, what is this 
observing, tending the Sabbath, what does that mean for you? What, it, what does this have to do? Pastor, does this mean that I can't wash my car on Sundays or mow the lawn? I don't know. That's, that's something you're going to have to work out with God. That's resting from all your work and your labors. What, what, what does this mean for me personally and, and practically? How do, I, how do I begin to do this? Well, the first thing that you can begin to do is remember. Deuteronomy 5, this is again the scripture that we were just reading. This is where the Ten Commandments are re-encapsulated for the people of Israel. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. Remember, I mean, one of the things that you definitely can do that will begin to create Sabbath in your soul is by remembering what the Lord has done for you. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he beyond Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around, and set my feet on solid ground. What does it want to do? It makes me want to shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are worthy of all of the honor and all of the glory and all of the praise. It makes me want to shout Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are worthy of all of the glory, of all of the honor, and all of the praise. You know, you got a lot of things you're thinking about every day, all the time. But you know one of the ways that you can just step right into Sabbath? Just start thinking about the Lord. Just start remembering. What's he done? Oh, Lord, you're so good. You got me out of bed this morning. I'm breathing. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm still breathing. Thank you, Lord, that I'm here. Thank you for the gifts of all you've given to me. Just begin to look around. Begin to thank him. Man, it's, it's really easy on October days like we've been having here in Minnesota. Man, it's good. It's beautiful. Start thinking about the Lord. Remember. Recreate, or what we more commonly call recreate. I love this scripture in Proverbs 8. I was there when he set the heavens in place and he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command and when he marked out its foundations of the earth. Wisdom here. Then I was constantly at his side and I was filled with delight day after day rejoicing always in his presence. Rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. There's this picture of, of the joyousness of creation that's just that's just embedded in this passage. And part of what God invites us into in Sabbath is to join him in that place. I mean, he has created us in terms of not that we, I mean, he's the creator, but a reflection of his image is that he's given us creativity, he's given us things to do, things to enjoy, things that, you know, and that's where, you know, different kinds of simple things, of hobbies or other things that you just enjoy doing. Things that just, and you know what they are, that sort of give your soul space to, to kind of grow and space to, to relax and, and space to, to, to just be refreshed and, and renewed in your spirit. Do those things. Have some fun. 
get in a leaf fight with your kids. And then have them rake it up afterwards because <laughs> you're resting from all your work. And they're still young. They don't need to rest as much. But recreate. Recreate. Part of Sabbath. And there's a rhythm then that begins to get established. This is just part of it. You know, this scripture uh, um, Norm referenced this morning, Matthew eleven twenty-eight, and this is in Eugene Peterson's The Message paraphrase. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. I love this. I love this picture. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is where I want to be. I want to learn how to live in the unforced rhythms of grace. I've lived a, a lot of years out of my own human striving and effort. I confess that freely. I've done it. My own, you know, Advil and adrenaline will get you a long ways. All right? But I'm at a stage in my life, honest. We had, you know, 14 boys burp night, 13 of them stayed overnight. Fifth to eighth grade boys. I was catatonic yesterday. I couldn't put two thoughts together. God bless them. They had a great time. They're a wonderful group of kids. Man, they're busy. Holy man. I, didn't, I knew they'd stay up late. I didn't have any idea that they'd be up that early. <laughs> They're all staying right in the room above us, and at 6.30, the thundering herd starts with the pillow fights and the... I'm like, really? You know? Go to sleep at 2, get up at 6.30, keep on moving. All right. Anyway, I don't know where that was at. But there's a rhythm that God wants to bring us into. An unforced rhythm of that's what Sabbath is about. It's not about some rules and regulations. It's about, a, it's about a life rhythm. God's rhythms are really important. God gives us, and, and he actually puts, I mean, let, let me be clear. You have to be intentional. There needs to be some structure, otherwise it won't happen. It's why the Bible says don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. It's important. The rhythm of weekly gathering together for worship is a part of the way that God establishes that rhythm in our lives. I mean, I'll tell you, one of the only ways that we as a family have been able to exist with the schedules that we have is that virtually every night we come together and have dinner. It's sacred. Okay? Because there's everything else is going this way. But we come together and we eat together every night. And we review and we talk through the days and we do. Because there's a rhythm that then, it, when you've got some structure in your life, you're able to be more flexible when you have appropriate, proper structure. Okay? So let me, you know, you've got to do that. You have to attend. You have to tend to the Sabbath or it will go away. Miss about three Sundays, and the fourth one is that much easier to miss. It's just honest. Because you're out of the rhythm. You get out of the flow. The leaves to this are really important. This is the last, last couple things. Uh, these also will begin with an R. All right. Because it's fully anointed of God. All right. Refreshing. Here's, here's why this is, 
you know, because we're, by gum we're Americans, so, so what's the benefit to me? Why do I need to do this, Pastor? Ugh. Because blessed is the one who does not walk in, the, in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Because if you will live your life in the context of the Father's love for you and the expressions that he's given to you, including the Sabbath, there will be a prospering to your soul and there will be life that will flow in you. So it's worth it. Anybody else? It's worth it. It's really worth it to do this. And there's a reviving that takes place as well. And here's where the other piece of this. Because this commandment of the Lord is not just for your good, but it's for the good of those around you. Because, Revelation 22, the angel showed me the river, the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the great middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. When we are trees planted by those streams of water, our lives begin to provide shelter for others. They begin to provide healing for others. They begin to provide nourishment and life for others. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a life-giving person. And we as a congregation are committed to radiating life and joy. I want to radiate life and joy. Love that. What Carol shared about, say it again so I can get it on the tape. Ending, finishing. Complete your course with joy. You're not going to complete your course with joy if you've not learned these unforced rhythms of grace because you'll just be stumbling forward with the weight of the world on your shoulders. But I can let go and trust that he's got it. Worship team, come on up. I have no idea what you want to do to close this, Norm. Um, but you do, I'm sure, so thank you. Because I think we do need to respond one way or another, but I, I just... I don't know. I, I just believe God's got a well that he wants to open up in your soul today. And a well that he wants to open up here in our spirit today. Here in this house. A, a well of of relationship and rest. A well that, that where we remember and where we recreate and where we get into that rhythm. A well that produces that refreshing and that reviving. I believe that's what he has for us. And So could we just stand to our feet right now as we prepare to close our service. And I know we began before the message with open hands. Could we just open our hands again this morning as we... Lord Jesus, I just pray for us as a people here. And God, we live in a culture that, that, that violates this commandment with abandonment. And then tells us that that's a good thing. And Jesus, you know that it's hard to go and press against that pressure that's coming at us all of the time. And the own, our own unhealed voices that says, you know, you got to do more. If you just did some more, if you just worked a little bit harder. But God, maybe some of us do need to work a little bit harder. But I think there's a whole lot of us, Lord, who need to to come deeper into a trusting in your character. We need to come more fully to that place of relinquishment. And God, 
I'm the first in line there. So help us, help me, help our leadership, help us as a staff, help us as elders and ministry coordinators and life group leaders and ministry leaders and help us as a congregation, Lord, and, 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 and parachurch leaders and, and God, all of us to, Lord, Lord, we want to, um, Lord, I want to reproduce life. I, I want to reproduce healthy leadership. I want to, so, so Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to, to lead that and to, to live that in our homes, Lord Jesus. For those of us that are parents or have roommates or those of us in college or those of us that are single with our friends, God, whatever stage, those of us that are older, Lord, to help us with the wisdom that comes, that, that, that theoretically at least comes with age, God, the wisdom that comes with our white hair, God. Help us to be able, Lord Jesus, to pass down to the generations that are coming after us a different message, perhaps, than we heard in our hearts and our lives, Lord God. Teach us, help us, God. I just, Lord, I don't even know how to articulate all of what's in my heart this morning to just pray back to you, but God, just pour your heart out over about this to us today. Jesus, I begin pray that you would shift foundation stones. It's a year of return. Let us return, Lord, to the heart of Sabbath, the heart of life in you, God, and what that really means, the relationship with us that you're longing to have with us, God. Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. I pray. Thank you for my friends. And I pray now that you might experience afresh today the immeasurable love of God the Father and the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son and the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit as you go from this house to your house, sent to make disciples of all nations. I pray that the banner of His favor will wave over your life And I pray that his goodness and grace will chase you now. Until we meet again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I bless you, people of God. In the name and the authority, the power of Jesus Christ, I bless you. Amen.